0: Welcome to Therese Talk. I'm your host, Therese Maine, and we've got a great episode for you. I've got two recipes I'm going to share. One you can eat. And when you cannot, <laughs> something I learned when my family went away for a little bit of a vacation, plus Christian author and speaker, Jenny Allen, if you've ever heard that scripture about taking every thought captive, but you've not really been sure how, well, she's going to help us.
1: What Jesus was clear about is, hey, 10 commandments aren't enough. If you even look on a man's wife, you know, that that is a sin. So he raised the bar of what a sin was. It's not just our actions, it's also our minds and how we think. And so... I think we've got to take it more seriously, and I think the enemy takes it very seriously, and I see nearly an entire generation in some different form, shut down on this battleground because they don't know how to fight.
0: Can we talk corona? I know everybody's talking about the coronavirus, and a lot of people are afraid. Uh, people are buying things that they may not ever need, like face masks and excessive amounts of toilet paper, and uh, preparing to quarantine. And I'm not really sure if we'll get to that point. I mean, I'd love to say, yeah, there's no way, but I don't know that, right? God has got this all figured out. But I do know that there are some things that we can do that can help our families to be better protected. And since we have some warning, you know, since we kind of know that this thing might be coming, it gives us an opportunity to do some of those things. Well, God made our bodies in a pretty remarkable way. You know, when you get tired, you're more susceptible to any germ or bacteria, right? So now is a good time to make sure everybody's getting lots of rest. In our family, I do things like elderberry syrup. And if you don't have a recipe for one, let me know, it's super simple. To make, or you can buy one at the store. You got to drink lots of fluids, right? Be sure that you have clear liquids on hand, like soups and tea and things like that, in case someone does get sick. And then another thing that you can do is wash your hands. (laughs) This is the easiest thing that you can do. And we keep hearing people say, Wash your hands, wash your hands. And I think, Well, don't we already wash our hands? But I was kind of surprised to learn think about this. What is the part of our hand that we miss the most? when we wash a lot of people get in between the fingers and you know the palms and the back of the hand the fingertips is what we miss. And you think about it, that's what you're touching your eyes and your nose and your mouth with and everything else around you. So when you're washing your hands, you want to spend at least 20 seconds lathered up, which is a lot longer than you think. Take a few minutes to scrub each one of your fingertips around your nails. If you've got long nails, kind of underneath and then rinse well. Now, if you've been trying to buy hand sanitizer and you found that it's sold out, well, good news. I've got help for you. It's a recipe that you can make at home. And it has just two ingredients, maybe three if you want to get fancy. It is just rubbing alcohol, whatever kind you normally buy, isopropyl alcohol. You want two thirds of a cup of that and then one third of a cup of aloe vera gel, which you can buy in a drugstore. You just mix those two things together. Now, if you want to get fancy and you want it to smell good, you can add in some essential oils, which some people think have antibacterial properties too. So just some alcohol, some aloe vera gel, and maybe some essential oils. You can put it in a squeeze tube or in a pump and your family will be good to go. And let's not be afraid because God hasn't given us a spirit of fear, but we certainly can be prepared, right? Do you ever have a thought And then it leads you to another thought, and another thought, and another thought. Now, if you're thinking good thoughts, this is awesome. But if you're thinking bad thoughts or negative thoughts, this can be terrible. You get into this spiral of toxic thoughts. And how do you stop it? Well, the Bible tells us to take every thought captive. But what does that really mean? And how do we do it? Jenny Allen is a Christian author and speaker. She's written a book called Get Out of Your Head. And I'm so excited to hear what she has to say about this topic. Thanks for having me. So I began to read Get Out of Your Head and immediately was hit with all kinds of spiritual attack. It was crazy, and especially (laughs) hearing about kind of the writing process and during that time how you were really under that. That's real, and we have to acknowledge that it's real, but we don't want to give it too much acknowledgement, too much control over our lives.
1: Yes, I, I would say you're not alone. I think part of it is we never think about it. So when we do think about it, we start to notice, wow, there is oppression in my life and there are things that have um, derailed me or caused me to hold back. And so when I think about the the right place in our lives, you know, C.S. Lewis says in Screwtape Letters, he writes about, you know, it's kind of a book about spiritual warfare. And he said the best thing Christians can do is either disbelieve that demons are real or to put too much power, to give them too much power, right? So Jesus talked about that, the the warfare, and he was very blatant about it many times in his life, but he never gave it power. He always said, you know, this is, we have power over this. And so I think, you know, this is this is something that we're not all comfortable talking about. But it's something the church has got to get better at talking about because it's real. It's biblical. And and we're up against. It. We might miss the ways we need to fight it better
0: this is really based upon the scripture that speaks of taking every thought captive. You know, and a lot of times people think that that means just stopping the thoughts. But the second part of that is that we have to make those thoughts submissive to Christ, which means we got to open up our Bible and see, is what I'm thinking true? And if it's not, what does the Bible say about what I'm thinking? And I think that's where a lot of us fall short, would you say that there is just a general biblical illiteracy right now?
1: Uh, Absolutely. That's a huge passion of mine, but I want to back up a few steps because I think we actually, it breaks down for us a lot sooner than that. We are not even noticing our thoughts. They are just running through our minds and we aren't aware that we're thinking all these negative thoughts. So I think it's actually even rooted in just, a general awareness of how much power our thoughts really have over us and how little we're tending to them. And so I think it's got to start, number one, with noticing our thoughts. And I encourage people in the book to write down their thoughts, to start mind mapping and just noticing what is it that you're thinking about on an ongoing basis? Because largely in the middle of the night, I walked through a pretty dark season of of doubt and wrestling with God, but I didn't think it was a big deal. It just was happening to me. And so I didn't treat it accordingly. So when, when you talk about the biblical illiteracy part, I think by the time we're noticing our thoughts and we're starting to fight the lies that we're believing, then yes, we've got to go to the word of God and what is true. And we also have to go to the community of God, right? Like we've got to talk to the people of God because we are doing this in isolation and we're never saying out loud what it is that that we're believing, because honestly, the minute I said out loud these thoughts that I had been wrestling with for over 18 months, when I said them out loud to some trusted friends, almost immediately, they lost their power, like I, I almost immediately realized like this is not true, and and having friends pray and fast with me was, was huge, so I think yeah, I think first, we've got to notice our thoughts. Second, we've got to confess our thoughts and the lies we're believing. And then third, we've got to go to the Word of God and make sure what is true so we're believing it.
0: Well, that idea of confessing your thoughts, because I don't think a lot of us would put that in the basket of sin, you know, thinking something that wasn't true. But if we're taking a false thought and living that way, it kind of becomes an idol.
1: Actually, it's a sin at its root some of these thoughts are just negative, right? Like, I don't think doubt in itself is a sin. I think letting it run rampant in my mind for 18 months, it definitely became a sin. But but I don't think, you know, all of these these feelings are ne- necessarily sins. You know, what, what, what Jesus was clear about is, hey, 10 commandments aren't enough. If you even look on a man's wife, you know, that that is a sin. So he raised the bar of what a sin was. It's not just our actions, it's also our minds and how we think, and so... I think we've got to take it more seriously, and I think the enemy takes it very seriously, and I see nearly an entire generation in some different form shut down on this battleground because they don't know how to fight.
0: I'm going to say a phrase, and I kind of want to get your reaction on it, but I also wonder if maybe we're doing it wrong. Okay, so the phrase is, don't throw scripture at me, which is a lot of times when you're trying to help somebody— that you trust and and you know your book even says if you take this thought captive and you submit it to Christ you line it up with scripture you're going to see that scripture is the key i mean scripture is the key to freedom from toxic thoughts but how do we share scripture in a way that doesn't make people feel like we're throwing it at them or are they just in a place where any truth we we give to them is going to feel like we're throwing it at them
1: well jesus was so good at this he constantly was looking for an end into people's lives. And it wasn't always scripture. In fact, a lot of times and most of the time it wasn't scripture. A lot of times it was a meal. A lot of times it was actually helping with a a real physical need that they had. Um, A lot of times it was a conversation with the woman at the well. It was, hey, tell me about this. They got to scripture later, but it was after she was well engaged into this to the conversation, so I think we just gotta really be insightful about what it is people are really wrestling with, and what Scripture's meant to do is to to cause repentance, right? It's it's to cause, and what I mean by repentance is not how you probably think, how most of the world thinks of it, like the hell and brimstone pre- preachers that would just yell for everybody to repent or the people sitting on the side of the road yelling, "Yeah, you know, repent, repent. It's more of a turning. It's turning back to God, right? Like that's what the word actually means. It means to, you're in one direction and to turn back to God. And that, that's actually a beautiful and gentle word. It's not a harsh word. And so that's what scripture is meant to do. Well, there's all kinds of reasons that people are turned away from God. You know, like, and I mean on a given day, I don't just mean in a lack of belief where they're not a they're not a christian i just mean like all of us turn away from god on a given day and so so i think first what god did was he actually came down to us we were turned away from god and he comes down to us in the form of jesus and he he lovingly like you know, is so kind and so wonderful and does so much for us that, that naturally we follow him and and we're, we're turning back to God, right? So I think we've got to be like Jesus and just, and and go to where people are, wherever they are in their day, in their struggle, in their grief, in their um, addiction, in their pride, whatever it is, and just be there with them away from God and help them process what it is that Makes them not want God, not want truth, because eternity is written in our hearts. And So we know that there is a, a desire in all of us for God. There really is. I think in, in in mankind there's a there's a hope that that there's more than this life, and so what what people are looking for is hope. And so we've got the answers, yes, but we've got to be careful and when, how we give them.
0: The book is called Get Out of Your Head. There's also a U version Bible app study of it that's pretty powerful. And then your podcast has kind of turned to Get Out of Your Head for the last few episodes here. And you interviewed a Navy SEAL on your podcast. And there was a quote that just leapt out to me and and I, I, I was convicted right away. He said, you can either be afraid or you can be ready. And then it got mm. me kind of thinking, how do we get ready? Because you cannot fight this spiritual battle for your mind if you're not armed, if you don't have like some ammunition ready. You know, it's not like you can be like, oh, I'm in crisis. Where's my Bible? You have to get in your Bible like way before then.
1: Yeah. Yeah when people here get in your Bible, they feel a lot of pressure. And I, I hope what, what's happening with people right now is, is that they're realizing I can't do life on my own. I, I, get to speak to a lot of college kids and teenagers. And when I do, I get so excited because they're, they're in a different place than many of us that are adults. They actually are desperate. Like they are going into the darkest places in the world, you know, high schools and even, you know, private schools are like, my, my kids have done both private and public. It's just dark right now. And they know that they are struggling with mental illness. They know that their friends, many of them have suicidal thoughts. Like they're not confused about the darkness. And so I think what we've got to do a better job of is helping people see that the thing they're craving and the thing that's broken is their need for God, rather than just throwing God at them or putting pressure on them because they already feel so much pressure. Like God is the ultimate pressure reliever, right? Like he, he is the one that has the thing, the antidote to the world's method of keeping up and measuring up and running so hard and all this stuff. So I think what, what I love about God is yes, he does call us to discipline, and and I think as a generation, largely, we have missed that. We have not practiced that. But that discipline is ultimately to keep us near to Him, and and because He knows if we're near to Him, we're going to be living our most free life that that is not encumbered by our sin, that is not encumbered by, you know, all of these just incredible dark things that we tend to fall into without Him, and so. I do think, yes, we need to be in our Bibles, but I think one, we've got to recognize that, um, that this is, this is sometimes complicated for people. And so what I love to do is just say, okay, what, what does it look like for you to get the word of God? And for me, there are different times where it looks like, you know the dwell app where i put in the word of god in my ears and i walk and i get outside and <laughs> i spend time with them so yes we need to be in the word of god but how we do that can be creative and and i think we are we are missing the best part in we get to spend time with God. Like that was, that's the story of our lives. And the story of redemption is that we get God. Like it is insane. It is unthinkable that God of the universe would want a relationship with us. And so when I think we, when we come back to relationship and remember that that's our greatest means to be in relationship with him, I think it gets more attractive.
0: Let's talk about the Get Out of Your Head tour coming to Rochester, New York on Sunday, March 29th. Now, this isn't like an IF conference, like you're actually going to be in the room, right?
1: I am going to be in the room. I can't wait.
0: So what are you most excited about with this tour?
1: Uh, I mean, it it is exciting to me to see this message be setting people free. You know, I think so. And I think it's, it's complicated. It's not simple like here at one time and then you're set free. It's it's really what you're saying about the preparedness and working out our redemption as we go. Right. Like this is this is what um, what scripture points us to is that that nothing is easy. Right. Like we we are we are in process with God and with these beliefs and with these truths. And so I think to get to do that together in the context of a room where we can actually work this out together is, is so fun. And it will feel that way. It'll feel a little bit like a workshop where we really are going to war with, with our thoughts and, and then worship will be incredible. And Jefferson Bethke is on the road with us. And I mean, he is just a lightning rod and, passionate. And so it's, I think it'll be a night that people really remember because hopefully God will use it to mark them and to really shift them from, you know, this toxic spiral to freedom.
0: Again, the book is called Get Out of Your Head by Jenny Allen. We've got a link for you on the show notes section at org slash podcast. Glad you can be here for this episode of Therese Talk. I'm your host, Therese Maine. Earlier, I shared a recipe for hand sanitizer. That's the one you can't eat. <laughs> but another recipe I wanted to share with you is a keto-friendly peanut butter mousse cup. Now, this is a recipe that is low in carb, which means, yes, it is high in fat, but it also has no gluten, no flour, and no sugar in it. So what you do is you make a filling, and the filling is made with heavy whipping cream that you whip up, some sugar-free peanut butter, mascarpone cheese, some vanilla, And then a powdered sweetener. I love monk fruit. I don't know if you've found monk fruit yet. It comes from this fruit that they grow in Asia that is naturally sweet but does not cause your blood glucose to rise, which means you don't eat it and then get the sugar crash and then crave something afterwards. So we've been using a lot of monk fruit in our house. So that's your filling, kind of the mousse. And then you do this crumble on top that is like a chocolate cookie, but you make it using almond flour, and cocoa, and butter. And then you just spread it out onto a pan, and you bake it. And then once it cools, you can kind of crumble it almost like into a granola to put on top of your little mousse. And if you want all the specifics, uh, you can find them on the show notes at fln.org slash podcast. You can make this fancy if you wanted, like you could put down some mousse, and then the cookie crumble, and then more mousse on top. And then you could shave some dark chocolate on top or do little curls of dark chocolate. And it's just such a fun little design to make when i took it to an event recently i used those clear plastic disposable cups and then just put a spoon in each one and it looked really fancy and then i didn't have to worry about bringing my dish home so again check out fln.org podcast for all the recipe details your family have any plans to go anyplace fun this summer? My family just got to take a quick little getaway to Washington, D.C., and as a member of the media, I was able to go to the Museum of the Bible, which I had heard about. It's uh, been built and funded by the family who runs Hobby Lobby, and it has a lot of history about the Bible. I thought it would have more about stories, you know, accounts in the Bible. There wasn't as much of that, but a lot about how the Bible came to be, you know, how uh, different texts were preserved and how they came into the you know the european church and then eventually made their way to america but the part of the exhibit that i liked the most was kind of how the bible has shown up in really unusual places you know like in fashion there was a lot of representations of different biblical themes that you would see in fashion and that was kind of cool but there was this one exhibit that had all of these bible verses that have become kind of common phrases. And I always think that's a neat way to open up a conversation with somebody about God, you know, because if they say something that's in the Bible, you can say, oh, did you know that's in the Bible? Like red sky at night, sailor's delight. That's in the Bible. Oh, how the mighty have fallen. People say that all the time. That's in 2 Samuel 1.19. A thorn in my side. That's in Numbers and also in Second Corinthians. To get by by the skin of one's teeth. That's Job 19.20. And so I just had such a fun time going around this entire display and reading all of these different scriptures. It's better to give than to receive. That's in Acts 20.35. And You reap what you sow. That's in Galatians 6, 7. And it just was such a neat testimony that God's word is relevant. It's relevant now. It was relevant 30 years ago. It was relevant when it was first written. And that never changes. Those concepts never change. And to also recognize that it's permeated Our world, not just our American culture, but the world in such a deep way that people don't even realize that it's the Bible. And so, if they have an aversion to the Bible, well, they don't even realize that they're living by so many biblical themes. You know, when you hear a phrase that's so profound that a child says, you say, out of the mouth of babes. That's from Psalm 8, two in Matthew 21, 16. So I'm going to put up some of the pictures from that exhibit with some of those phrases. And it's not all of them, but it was just such a cool thing to see. Go to FLN.org slash podcast to check that out. A closing thought for this episode of Therese Talk take him at his word. Have you ever heard that phrase? It's like when I want you to just do what I'm saying or believe what I'm about to tell you and don't question it and don't doubt it. Take me at my word, right? But we should take God at his word and his word is the Bible. So often we add to it or don't read it in its entirety, and that's not taking God at his word. When we don't read it all, or when we assume things, or when we add a little bit of extra, we change the character of God in our own minds. We make him fallible. We make him unloving. We make him unkind, and that's not who God is. When you really know the Bible, and not just know it in an academic way, but in an understanding way, the kind of way that connects to your heart, you'll be able to take God at his word. You'll be able to trust him. You'll be able to believe that he has your best interest in mind. And that's going to help you grow in your faith. It's going to make you be able to share your faith. It's going to make you blossom for God in a really profound way. It's not complicated and it's not hard. Just get to know your Bible, read it, ask questions, look things up, dig deeper, find the answers. Take him at his word.